1: coffee a podcast where product management leaders share stories advice and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time welcome to the show today joining us we have kartik Suresh, a visionary in the world of technology and product strategy Kartik is the founder of Ignition, a groundbreaking AI platform designed specifically for product teams aimed at boosting revenue, enhancing product development. I hope I'm getting that right. But I've used this tool uh, about five years ago, I think. I can't remember when y'all started this, Kartik, but it was it was really interesting when it came on three the years. market in it... Yeah, three years. Okay. There you go. There's my sense of time for you. But uh, it was really interesting at the time. I was super excited about the potential for it. And it's changed the whole time. So I'm super excited to get into that. Kartik isn't just a founder, he's a seasoned product and technology leader at Craft and Facebook. Today, he's here to share his insights and all things product over a cup of coffee. So sit back and relax and level up as we dive in. Kartik, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, excited for the conversation. Also, you know, one of the things we talked about last time we jumped on a call was your journey. And it's super fascinating coming from Wall Street. So I want you to dive into that, but give us a little bit of background, Kind of your journey into the tech world as it is today.
0: Yeah, it's definitely uh, I'd say a probably um, very not traditional path. So just to go back, go back in time, I uh, I started my career in algorithmic and high frequency trading space in uh, Wall Street, it's basically New York, and I graduated in uh, right into recession in two thousand eight. It's been a while, <laughs> but, uh, that was like, that's the best way you learn. Like it's thrown right into the world and I would say it's, just, it's, 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 it was, it was such a fascinating experience going through the whole upheaval during the 2008 financial crisis. Yeah. My first job was in Morgan Stanley. I then moved to this company called Knight Capital Group and they were a trading. Uh, and an uh, execution, um, algorithmic execution shock. And the fascinating thing or not so fascinating thing was like, I was a part of a team there and we had the highest trading loss ever. Like, I think like 400 million in 30 minutes and uh, the company was bankrupt. So yeah, it's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a
1: good moment, uh, to learn there, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was just young and I was just like wondering, yeah. like, is this how the world works? And it's like, oh my God, it's like. I mean, there's a lot of things which came out of that, like the whole, uh, kill switch on New York and Nasdaq and, you know, the, the suspending of stock trading when the stock trades beyond a certain band, all of that actually were lizard of this blowout of light capital. Not a lot, not a lot of people know about it, but, uh, uh, it's actually like significantly changed the way trading is done in New York and Nasdaq after that incident. So yeah, I was, I was there and then yeah, I went through all of that. But you know, I, again, it was very like adrenaline driven and it was fascinating. And you know, in my twenties, that's, I wouldn't be anywhere else. <laughs> but then I realized I, I didn't want to be in finance for an extended period of time. I, I didn't feel like I was adding a ton of value to the society. I felt like it's all about taking money and making more money. And like there was no tangible impact on the lives of people, like, you know, my family or my friends and like. Um, and I was always fascinated by the tech world. So I then uh, decided to make the job. I went to business school, to, meanwhile, to figure out what to do. But I joined a company called Craft, which is an enterprise intelligence startup in London. But then the whole company moved to San Francisco. So I ended up in San Francisco. And I was, I was one of the first employees there. So I saw the company go from almost zero to like, no, I think they are valued not 100 or 150 million today. So I was there for the first four years where we had to go through the whole startup journey had to see multiple pivots and before we formed product market fit. And it was great to see the growth. Now there are more than hundred plus employees there. So after that, I was like, okay, let me check out a big company because I've been in startup. I've been, so I was like, okay, let's go to Facebook. So I interviewed there and lucky enough to get a job uh, as a PM. And I was on, a, I was a PM on the Facebook search team and later one of the early growth PMs on the Facebook reality labs team. Um, oh, wow. I mean, now it's Meta, of course. So Facebook Reality Labs became such a big uh, part of Zock's solution that he re- decided to rebrand the whole company. So it was so fascinating. So I was there before Meta, before it was called yeah. Meta. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was fascinating for different reasons because I was always under the impression like in big companies, you know, you don't grow as much or you don't, you don't the chaos yeah. is not as much there, but you know, as a startup, but I was completely wrong, especially in Facebook Reality Labs because I think I was like the third growth PM in a team. Um And then in six months, there were like another 10 PMs added, another 100 engineers added. So within six months, I went from a junior person, you know, in terms of like experience in that team, to like one of the senior most people, which, you know, it's again, it's insane if you think about it. But uh, that's I was, I was like lucky enough to see that growth. I always felt like my heart belonged in the world of startups and entrepreneurship. And I always wanted to start a company. And then when I was launching one of the products for Facebook, the launch plan was like a spreadsheet with a hundred tabs and nobody knew where to find anything about the launch, whether it was like, you know, with the latest campaign or the messaging or the positioning or the assets for the launch. Um, And I, as a PM, was working with the marketing teams to help with the launch. And it felt like there has to be a better way to manage it. And that's when I met my co-founder, Derek, who used to run product marketing for Rippling. And then we both decided to, you know, start ignition to solve this problem of, uh, you know, getting the product teams to actually talk to marketing and sales teams and aligning that and creating a really good go to market process. So yeah, here we are, two years down the lane. We have raised about eight million you know, backed by some of the best venture firms like Altman Capital, Blink Capital, uh, Audacious Ventures. And, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a great journey. And yeah, I'm looking forward to sharing that I'm uh, sharing more uh, about each of these uh, phases of my life. Wow.
1: That is, uh, <laughs> I love that. I love the the diversity uh, of all the new different experiences, uh, um, employment experiences. I want to kind of dig into that a little bit. What's driving that desire to move from, (laughs) you know, something so drastic, right? At each phase here, it seems like, was this intentional? (laughs) Was this, yeah, what's driving that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's all about,
0: for me, it's all about taking risks in life. Um, I feel like growth, if you're not taking risks, then you know you you know if you're in the same job for ten years or if you're doing the same thing for ten years, I in my opinion, of course, there are other people who have a very different opinion about this. that if you're not learning, the learning comes from change, and the change comes from taking risks. And that's one thing I always push myself throughout my career. So once I feel comfortable in a certain role or certain industry, then I I. I I actually pushed myself to seek what's next. And that's what has led to all of these like different, you know, really diverse career and journey from Wall Street to a startup to a big company mm. back to founding a company. Uh, and also lived in Europe for a few years in between. Um, yeah. but that I feel like now, even now that now when I actually think about building a turtle, like I have such diverse opinions and views. Um, that I can do a way better job than if I was just like, if I started my career at Amazon and spent 20 years at Amazon and yeah. now I'm building a company. I think it's going yeah. to be very different. So, um, yeah, so it's all about like, so it comes back to this uh, personality trait of uh, trying to take risks and not, not sure. trying to feel comfortable in the same position for too long.
1: Got it. Yeah. So the signal of boredom or I'm not learning. You have that growth mindset where you're kind of being ambitious and wanting to to learn what's new, what's next. I want to talk a little bit more about that journey too, because that makes sense on the surface, but it almost seems like every jump that you've gone to has been a quote unquote success. But uh, tell me that that's not the case.
0: <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Um, There's so many scar tissues. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh it definitely takes a toll. Um, you know, but uh, you know, that's that's what drives me. You know, the I- adrenaline yeah. <laughs> is uh you know what drives me. So, you know, as I said, like the very very first job, you know, we had this four hundred million dollar blow up where the company went bankrupt and um uh, you know the whole team was like half the team was laid off and we had to readjust to a new environment yeah. the very next day. It's not like you had a one month transition time, right? It's just like yeah. Friday. You go back to you know go back home and then Monday it's a different company, with different people. Yeah. Like your boss is different. Like mm-hmm. it's that kind of like change. It's uh, which is great for. I mean, I mean, cut me. I mean, I, me, yeah. I mean uh, I'm not. I'm not going to say it was bad. But at that time going through that was which is very terrifying, like absolutely terrifying. But looking back, it was it was a it was such a great experience. Um, so I feel like then I started another company. With another actually good friend of mine uh, while I was in London. Um It was, uh, I mean, the the original idea was to create like a uh, aggregator for all the peer to peer loans. Uh, you know, those are the times when Lending mm. Club and Prosper were really like taking off and the peer to peer loan mm-hmm. as a concept was taking off.
1: Was that per, uh, prior to craft?
0: Yeah, prior to craft. Prior okay. to craft. No. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, but, you know, I, I worked on it for, I think, a year or so, but it, it, didn't, it didn't go anywhere because we had so many problems with, uh, product market fit and then me and my co-founder we didn't agree on the path forward so i had to like leave that and then a joined craft so like and then and then those are like, (laughs) great this is what i want to (laughs)
1: hear yeah (laughs) it's not so uh um uh yeah riddled and roses but i mean you have it that that it sounds like that's the journey right you you use that experience you learn from that and then you apply those learnings in your next position in some way
0: exactly and that's yeah 100%. Hundred percent. I wouldn't be who I am today if I hadn't had all those experiences because yeah. um, those are the things which actually make you successful, you know, in your next or the next um, gig. Um, now coming back to craft, even at craft, it was not like a straight linear graph. It sure. was a lot of ups and downs. Like craft was the, the when we started craft. Craft was a company intelligence platform, and the first. The first product was selling to financial uh, like hedge funds because we're going to mm-hmm. track all the alternative metrics on companies like employee numbers or job count. And so hedge funds could use the data to trade, for example. Uh, but that didn't go anywhere because like, one, the hedge funds, the financial services was very demanding and also like, they churned a lot. So we we didn't feel like there's a venture steel company which could be built in that space. So then we, pay, I think we paired to sales. We started selling to sales where we were actually like, the idea is like prospect intelligence. Like you have all these company info. like, if somebody hired a head of product and if you're selling a product management tool, great. It's a great signal to go pitch because I'm sure they're looking to make changes. Right. So things like that. But that again did not work because the sales people were not willing to pay a lot of money. Uh, uh, it's paying like 10 bucks a month. Again, we, we would never build a venture scale business there. It could be a nice lifestyle business. So then where we found product market fit was in supply chain space where a lot of these big manufacturers and defense industries were trying to onboard like thousands of suppliers and they had no idea who these companies were and Kraft yeah. helped them with risk management on the vendors. And then people were willing to pay like millions of dollars for that. And I you know none of, nobody in the company was a supply chain expert, right? We just, we just kind of fell into it because one of the people reached out to a website and, you know, they have to be one of the largest defense companies. So and then, then class now today, it's like I'm married at 150 million or something, right? So you never know, like you go through so many failures and when you're going through it, yeah. you got, like, you have existential crisis. It's like, I should have been at Facebook. I should have been at Google. Like yeah. I should have been getting a nice salary and having a good time. Like, why am I going through this? Nothing is working. I am a failure. You know, the yeah. whole company is failing and nobody, oh, yeah. nobody's going to recognize me as a failure. Like you go through so many, like, you know, crazy kind of existential que- crisis and questions, you know, when you're going through that. Um, but you got to persevere and you got to move on. You got to like, those are the things which actually make you like, th- you know, such a different person and a thought leader and also like, you know, make you successful in the future. So, I mean, I can, I can literally have a full podcast about all my failures. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I, I do think it's important to talk about, right? Like, cause a lot of folks, I think, There is this deep sense, especially in product management and entrepreneurship, there's this fear of failure. There's this imposter syndrome feeling as well um, that we all feel in some way, uh, shape or form. And just hearing it, hearing that call to continue, right, to push on, right, I think that's, you know, you've proven that as a way to, quote unquote, get there, right? Even though that's probably not there that you want it yet, but it's a stepping stone and you've been able to get past the hard times. And you've been continuing on with these like really great times, right, where you get these amazing experiences that you get to be a part of and contribute to. So it's, uh, I think that's a good message for a lot of the listeners at this phase because we do have a lot of folks getting laid off, right? We have a lot of folks dealing with a lot of these movements of should we start my own company? Should I start my second venture? Uh, I failed. Do I keep doing this? Do I switch a, a, a career now? Like I don't know what to do, I, especially with AI coming. So I, I want to hear a little bit now. Yeah, switching over. Let, let's actually let's let's go with startup to Facebook because I know there's so many different experiences that you probably gained from that leap. Yeah. So what were kind of some of the similarities and differences from small versus enterprise organizations?
0: That's a great question. So I think uh even even just being a I mean I'm talking from a PM perspective or product perspective, uh being at a startup versus a being at a big company is two completely different roles. Uh, even though the title can be a product manager. Uh, because you know, for example, at Facebook, I had a whole team supporting me. I had my own designer, I had a data scientist pulling all the queries, I had a user researcher going and talking to users and helping me with the feedback. Um, so I was and then obviously the engineering manager and the whole team. And then if there's something else I needed, I could always ask for the resource. So there was like an entire team supporting you. And if I needed more resource, and I could go get it. Um this is and then a lot of my work came down to stakeholder management. You know, I would say like 20 to 30% of my time was actually building products, you know, thinking about features, coming up with product strategy, and 70% of my time. Was unblocking engineers, talking to the other teams for dependency, getting approvals from legal and policy teams for the features or presenting, presenting the strategy to the VP or the head of the department to get the approval for your next phase and going through the planning cycle. And, you know, it's literally that I spent 70% of the time uh, mm. doing that, which, you know, I expect, I didn't expect it. I was expecting like 80% of the time I'm going to be building. The next feature which goes viral on facebook
1: it was that the uh ratio back yeah. at the startup it was more of that okay no startup at, the, at, at facebook um, right but the the inverse so the inverse. Was that the difference was yeah okay yeah at the so that so coming to startup yeah
0: coming yeah. to the startup world, it's exactly inverse like you know, yeah. uh, you know, nobody cares about you creating a nice deck and presenting your strategy. It's like, what do you get done like, last week? You yeah. know, it's a customer churning. You know, this customer has asked for this. And when you close the deal next week, did you ship? Like, it's a very different way. And then, okay, I, like, I don't have a user. research. what do you mean user results? And just go talk to the users. I don't have a data scientist. who can figure out how to write SQL queries. You're not going to get, you're not going to pay for a nice analytics data to just go into the database, write a SQL query, pull the data, put it in a spreadsheet and figure out the metrics, figure out the retention curves. Like it's like, do it yourself. Like if you don't know it, you learn it or find somebody on a per and hire them to do it. So it's like a completely different mentality.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I love that because it like forces you to get into that. Yeah. Learn those things you might not be as comfortable with. It pushes you out of the comfort zone and going in the growth mindset. I feel like you never get bored in that, but I feel like that's like, those are different skills, right? You're learning now stakeholder management, right? And communication and some of those soft skills might not be those strengths in the other role. And now you're being forced to emphasize that. What was that journey like between the maker versus kind of the facilitator type of percentage difference for you?
0: yeah it was it was a big change for me like i had to adopt quickly you know for example right like you know when i when i joined facebook one of the things i had to do every week was like to like you know blow up my team's work you know present it to the the whole like group thing okay what we did last week and what were the achievements and also like and i know i spent almost like two or three hours writing that uh, when i joined facebook i didn't appreciate that i was like why am i wasting time i, I need to be shipping features i need to be getting it done But a big part of it in a large company is also making sure people take notice of what the engineers are working on and how that's impacting their team. And, you know, I then, I then you know, for example, three or four months into my job, I realized how critical that was, even though I was very skeptical that I was actually wasting my time. And then I realized that was probably one of the most impactful work I was doing by, you know, giving enough spotlight on my engineers and then, you know, showcasing their work to the entire org because it, it gets lost in this huge org. And that helps also shape the future roadmap and make sure we are in the same direction. So small things like that, when in a startup, you wouldn't even think about doing it in a big mm-hmm. company. It's actually a very critical part of your role. Um, mm-hmm. and as I said, like unblocking the engineers by talking to other teams and like, you know, they have their own roadmap. They're going to get bonus and promotion based on what they are assigned to do. So then how do you negotiate with them to somehow make space in their roadmap? To help with some dependency, which your team needs to succeed when they have no incentive to do it. Um, mm. So, and then you have this whole stick and, you know, carrot and the stick approach where, you know, you, you, you know, you may offer one engineer from your team to help with their project <laughs> or the stick would be like you escalated to the VP saying to their manager saying, Hey, you know, we got to, we need this. And, you know, it's in the interest of the organization's priorities, even though it's not in your product team's priorities. So let's. Escalate and let's come up with some, you know. This is like is so different from the job I was doing. And then at startup, is like no, it's like get get shit done. I mean, sorry for my word, but yeah. like it was, you know, oh, <laughs> it's yeah. just like you that know. Should
1: be a poster yeah. on our on yeah. our walls here. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> It's exactly. It's like, you know, we've run out of money in six months and we got to ship this XYZ and then get to this revenue target in the next three months You know, to raise the next down. Otherwise, we won't have a job. Forget job, we won't have a company. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah so those are, those are of the differences. I think just like, work. that's why I, I fundamentally feel these two are so different roles. So when somebody is yeah. like, oh, I'm a product manager, but I'm like, okay, but which company, what stage? And, you know, yeah. and, you know, it's just, and the other thing I would add is like, just because you've been like, uh, you know, been at Facebook or Google or Fang, any of the Fang companies for 10 years and you succeed as a PM doesn't mean that you can just go to a startup and become successful at all. Because so it yeah. fundamentally requires so many skills, so you just got to adopt and change based on the requirements.
1: I would imagine the count, uh, the accountability is different as well at these different roles. It's almost inherent accountability at the startup, where yeah, you're going to run out of, of money and capital, and so you need to make something happen. But you know, you, at the startups that you were PM at, no, it, it wasn't necessarily your company at the time, right? Like this was yeah. the, mm-hmm. you're, you're accountable to somebody and in, in their goals and their, you know, the business's outcome, potentially the boards, right? So how did that differ from the startup to the enterprise? You know, this
0: is such a loaded question because I mean, startup is very clear. You have the CEO on the board and you're just, you're directly reporting to the founder. And I mean, I'm early stage startup, again, startup yep. can also be late stage. But an early stage startup, you're just starting to see, you and you're on the same page, and there's no, there's no politics, there's no diplomacy, there's nothing. It's just everyone knows this is the OKR. Uh, you know, we need to get done, uh, which is a good thing. Um, but uh, on the on a larger earth, there's so many other things at play, like the as you said, the incentives of a VP might be different from the incentives of a director of a product of two different product teams, and uh, it's just how do you navigate that, and how, and as a PM, you need to be. Subconsciously aware of what they're exactly asking and how do you push that? Um, I mean, there's also like, you know, there's times when even, even within large org, there, there are people who are like, no, you know what? As, as a company, this is our priority. So it doesn't matter if I don't meet my OKRs or goals. That's just aligned to make sure we meet the company's goals. Uh, but there are other people who are like, you know, it's more about like meeting my goals and making sure I look good. So. Even even I've seen sometimes even the roadmap, the brainstorming sessions mm-hmm. and the roadmapping sessions being like kind of twisted in a way it aligns with the mission. Even though we were like, the whole point of a brainstorming session is to like brainstorm and get new ideas into the whiteboard and then vote on it and then like work on it. Yeah. But I've seen where it would be conducted in a way that you're all like pushing to one feature, getting to the top of the vote list, and so that it aligns with the VPs. Um, oh, yeah. So there's like all of these things, which is very, like, be political,
1: yeah. It, it's more uh, expert in politics, and relationship building, and yeah. then it is building the, the products almost, which is, yeah, that's very interesting. It's good insight for for folks that on, on both sides of the equation here. I think all the more important for uh, diversity of experience, right? Getting uh, the ability to try both and see where you gravitate towards, I think, is really important in your career.
0: Yeah, not a lot of people talk about it. Like nobody yeah. talks about this on LinkedIn, you know. Super but this funny. is yeah. such an important part of your skill set, yeah. as a, especially as a PM. If you're engineer, you know, it doesn't ask they, all of these things doesn't matter as much. Um, but as a PM, when you're like a glue, you're kind of glue between so many different teams, mm. and you're kind of. Um, this is such an important skill. Um, and then people obviously talk about not talk about it because it's very uncomfortable, just like politics is uncomfortable. So, but again, what's going to make you successful and grow through, you know, to you become a VP or a head of, you know, CPO one day is like you're actually good at this in addition to obviously building a great product and making sure your metrics like retention is high and people are actually adopting a product, that's like table stakes.
1: Well that tell me more about that transition into leadership for you. So product leadership, meaning where you're starting to manage individuals or responsible for PL and what have you. What was that experience like for you year one, year two? What would that look like?
0: Yeah, I think there um, then you focus less on the product itself and then you focus more on empowering individuals to then work on the product to hit your goals. So um, it's all about, I think the shift is from like empowering, you know, the features to serve the needs of the users to empowering people who report to you to then be able to like execute and deliver to your users. Um, So it's all about, um, you know, being, again, number one thing is empathy, trying to really understand um, what other people are going through. Um, uh, making, having a very clear view of what their strengths are and what their are, you know, weaknesses are and, um, pushing to double down on. So I, I'm one of the, I belong to this, uh, this side of, uh, uh the, this debate where I, I don't, I, I ask people not to want to worry about the weakness, not to focus, not even focus on the weakness, but instead double down on the strengths because I rather you be 10x good at one thing versus just be 1x good at everything. Mm. So, um, it's all about, you know, and then people who do it, the other things can be managed out and, you know, can, there's a way of like communicating that, communicating that so that the weakness doesn't come in the way of growth. But, uh, uh so for me, it's about like very clearly defining what the strengths are, doubling down on the strengths and make this, make the strength, the 10x, uh, strength, um, uh, you know, you as an individual have and then empowering them to, actually
1: then go build really good products and serve the needs of the people so instead of building and empowering your customers you're switching to the empower with context empower individuals is more of a people a job right and yeah the, with, mixed with vision and strategy and that's part of the context you're sharing yeah and when you when you get into uh I want to hear more about the actual stumbles that you've had in that transition did you learn oh like a different way of this isn't working or like, was it? Yeah. What were those kind of failures? If we we're on that topic, right. From earlier, what were those moving into the leadership position for you?
0: Yeah. I think there's another concept of like motivation and motivation. There's two, 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 two types of motivation, right? One is like, okay, you do this work, you get promoted, you get your next level or you get your bonus. or you get additional equity. The other level of the other type of motivation is about being able to deliver on a mission, and, mm-hmm. and, and the, 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 the first one is, I think it's good in the short term. Um, but the second one is what you can actually build a really long term successful product. And unfortunately in larger companies, the latter is harder, which is why you even see people moving from team to team to team in like every year you see, you see them switching okay. te- I switch three teams as well, because you know, the motivation is more, okay, how do I get my five-star rating on my performance review? I get my next yeah. level versus like making metaverse for Facebook successful, right? Um, and then in, in, a, in a much startup, in a startup land, or in all these, and even in like some of the smaller teams in Facebook, it's all about like, forget about your leveling, forget about your title. It's a mission, like, you no, know, you're fundamentally changing the way people are going to be interacting with payments. Or, you know, we are fundamentally changing the way with people talk to each other. Instead of going to a game, And sitting and then they can actually put on an Oculus and like watch a game together at their home. Like it's a mission which drives you. And I think when some of the best leaders I've worked with and me, myself, what I've seen as I grew in my journey is like initially I made the mistake of thinking about, okay, like how can I incentivize this person in terms of like comp or in terms of title, in terms of bonus and all of that um you know other things, other soft skills. I mean those are important too. I'm not gonna downplay them. Those are equally important, but but that's not sticky. But when I can actually like really uh have this like call of duty and then you know call to arms, like mm-hmm. we're gonna change the way products are built. You know, we're gonna change the way payments are done. We're gonna change the way like, you know, suppliers actually evaluate, you know, manufacturers evaluate their suppliers and uh, you know, we're going to change, you know, basically the way something is done and why that requires to be changed. And, you know, which, which is such an important aspect. Then the level of motivation is insane. That's where like, I see true 10x efforts come from mm. the teams. In fact, I myself, the reason I moved from Wall Street where I was making really good money to, uh, to the Valley is because I wanted to have that kind of an impact.
1: Mm. So yeah. I
0: think one of the biggest learnings, I mean, people talk about it, this is very really easy to talk about, but actually in practice, you know, in day to day, you know, when you're in the weeds uh, as a leader, you forget about this. It's like my job as a leader is to motivate. I'm the general of the art. I need to motivate my troops to go deliver on this mission. And mm-hmm. that's my number one OKR. Okay the other things don't matter as much. Well. So I think once you have that in your DNA and you keep talking about it and you see such a huge transition in your own you know, persona as a leader and, and the way your team is performing and the NPS core of the
1: team, like everything just goes up. Yeah, that makes sense a lot. So more and more on the vision casting, the storytelling, the motivation, it's aligning their, you know, aspirations to a common mission that we can all get behind and keeping that in the forefront for these folks and versus motivating them financially or... Hey, go do this telling folks what to do. I think that makes sense. Now, when you went into, when you moved into leadership and you started to learn some of that, right, you started to learn what worked and what didn't and the power of context and storytelling and vision and motivation were there any of those kind of tacking moments we, we talk about this a lot i, I think this is from Jared jared's but he talks about kind of planting this flag in the sand and then sailboat tacking towards getting to that mission so give me some of those tacking kind of corrections for yourself yourself personally as a leader yeah i'd love to get it into that
0: yeah um you know it's uh so I can actually talk about Ignition actually here, right? So here, you know, we are building, uh, building that I think the next generation, you know, AI powered, uh, product management platform. And, uh, you know, we are, I think, for example, in our space, the product management tools haven't changed in a decade. It's the same functionality where you, nobody wants a roadmap. Like, you know, um, it, it's very different the way you think about like how products are paid these days. And, um, you also have leaders like Brian Chesty, for example, you know calling on pms like also think about messaging and positioning like it's not just enough you think about your strategy and, and sprint cycles and you know getting shipping into production and then go for a party but you need to also think about how you're going to message it to your users how are they going to understand the value prop how are you going to position it like how are you going to sell it right how are you going to get the people to buy your product so um, there's so many things going on so i think i think when we think about ignition or when we you know i mean um, also setting up the mission is all it's about that it's like how do we it's almost like when product folks uh you know product teams think about it. it's like the revenue is like so sales people own the revenue marketing people own the website and messaging and ads and whatever they're doing uh, my job is to just you know ship a really good product which you know works without bugs and then does what it's supposed to do to solve a problem and i'm done But we're like, no, you know, at the end of the day, you are part of a business and here we are, you know, you're trying to like work towards a mission. And the big part of that is like not just building a great product, but also making, also thinking about how do you get the product into the hands of the people, which is where the whole go-to-market comes in. Like, how do you make sure that, you know, it actually, first of all, is targeted at the right persona. So you know, even even product teams is such a broad person. Is it a product manager? Is it a product ops? Is it a product marketer? Is it a senior product marketer? Is it a junior, junior product marketer? Like, how do you think about the, and then how do you think about the jobs to be done? And then okay, then how do you position it? All these competitors are, are 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 out in the market. So how are you different from them? So how are you going to message it? So when people start using your product, do they get that message? Like even you can put out something on the website, but they when come in and come to the product and they start onboarding. It's your job to make sure it aligns with what we are telling people. Your product does, so it's all about thinking through the lens of a go-to-market as a product manager while you're building the product, and that's what that's what you know. That's what we are building Ignition for is to help product mm. teams think about go-to-market from day one. Think about messaging, positioning. thinking about like how do we um, actually like uh, make sure that the uh, product actually gets adopted, uh, you know, once it's shipped to production, and. Uh, Um, so, and then here it's the, so that's the flag. we It's like the, when we are successful, when, you know, product and marketing and sales teams, they all talk the same language in terms of go-to-market and there's no misalignment and, um, and a lot, and a lot of that is like, okay, so that's a flag. But then we obviously know product and marketing teams are so different. Product teams work on on a waterfall model or agile model. We have a sprint cycle every two weeks for marketing people. There's like one launch coming up June 1st and you mm. work back from the launch everything is going towards that one date um and it doesn't work that for it doesn't work like that for engineering teams because and right so like how do you make these two teams come together so and then and then so you set this mission and then like you then you then realize oh, okay all of these teams are such a different uh, you know they talk different language so you then have to go through like like then you know okay let me start like much earlier in the funnel let's first let's make sure like product managers even start thinking about marketing as an important topic. So you just go back to uh, your, you know, more of like, uh, you define the more granular steps in order to get your final mission. Uh, The second thing I'd like to add is like, especially in a startup, the mission, the flag keeps moving. Mm. You know, in a large company, you know, you definitely have like, you know, probably this is Zuck's vision. It's like five years down the lane, you'll have this Glass, which, you know, you, you, it's your personal computer. You can do everything from your glass. You can talk to people. I can do the podcast with the glass and that's mission. Mm. Everyone's working towards that. In a startup, especially early stage, you still don't know what's going to make you a big company. And it's all about survival. You're just
1: trying to survive. Yeah. And
0: yeah. survive. So the flag keeps moving. So you have this flag, which you messaged your troops saying, mm-hmm. this is what we're going to get and we're going to go get. And that's how we're going to get. And then next month, the flag is to here.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> So,
1: yeah, you got to be really good at improv. It's
0: <laughs> yeah. So you'd be like, you just had this like call of call to arms of this amazing thing you're going to build. Like, we're going to change the way the fund yeah. managers are going to use company data to make money. And then next month, you're like, Oh, by the way, <laughs> we're going to change the way the salespeople people are going to prospect leads. So it's, it's another whole different game where, um, you know, you need yeah. to go through like why we did that. What was the motivation? Mm. You need to give a lot of context. Um, so, and then you, so in, in addition to like taking this like up and down route to your flag, it's also like multiple flags and multiple different, you know, yeah. so. Yeah, it's it's, it's, uh, well, it's just an easy answer to that.
1: You mentioned that Brian Chesky's messaging about PMs are needing to get more into the weeds and go to market. I'm curious to get your perspective on this because you've seen both you're at a startup right now or scale up. I, you know, I don't know how you all classify yourselves, but PMs need to do more. And it's almost like PMs need to be more like startup PMs. But what <laughs> these enterprises are incentivizing and what works is more politics and soft skills. So it doesn't seem to be working. It's like it's like the desire is like, hey, we just want to be a startup again. You know, do the things that startup PMs do. Yeah, and then, and then it's like, well, we're gonna make it really hard for you to do that. Yeah, just, is that is that kind of the sense you get as well?
0: Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, it's unfortunately that's the that's the way it is. Um, and that's the fun. I mean, I think that's also what makes us humans. It's just like yeah, there is like an ideal vision of how the world has to be, but that. That ignores all the imperfections we have. This all ignores all the emotions we have. It's not just like a machine where it's not like a robot where you just like do this. So, and that's where it falls apart, right? So, um, the, when the emotions come in, like, um, it, it's a very different game. Um, but coming back to, uh, you know, Brian Chesky's message, um, it's not that, like you know, I think there's a lot of debate on the on social media. It's not that it's not that the PM job is becoming irrelevant or gonna be not going to be relevant in the five years. I think PM job is more relevant than ever. It's almost like a product manager at the center of the universe, um, and literally the glue every in every startup, Facebook, wherever I've worked, like PMs have always been the glue, which holes together multiple Mm. engineering marketing customer success design user research to actually ship and make the company successful but it's actually the other way around the pms are going to get even more important so it's Mm. not just enough if you work with your engineers to ship a product and that's where the messaging is coming from right? so you also need to think like a marketer you need to think about like how do how am i going to brand this how am i going to message this like how are I going to you know, position this like, to make sure that people actually get it? So it's actually like you're yeah. probably taking on even more responsibilities yeah. as a PM.
1: It's interesting. It seems like almost with the assistance of AI and some of the things y'all are doing as well, it's, it's like, well, maybe those other marketing sales functions become less relevant over time. And you have this shit towards more of a product company. And it's just simply that. I and mean, everything is done by this team that, handles all these different disciplines or, you know, it, it is that feasible, desirable, viable kind of triangle that we're all trying to maintain and, and balance. And maybe that just becomes a team of three. It's like super lean and they can handle it all now with the assistance of AI. Where do you kind of see things going in that, yeah,
0: in that respect? exactly. Like AI is so game-changing specifically to solve this problem. Let me give a specific example, right? You know, let's say when a, when a product manager is thinking about building a feature, let's say uh, he or she, like, you know, talk to a bunch of people and gather some insights. And all there was a customer was complaining, and that's the that's the root of the idea. And then that idea becomes into a roadmap feature, and then that gets shipped. And then now the product managers to the marketers like, "Hey, we ship this, you know, referral feature for Oculus. Go, you know, I mean, referral feature is baggage. Like, okay, we 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 ship this feature now. Go market it. But the marketer doesn't have any context of where." The idea came from who asked for it. Was this talked a lot in sales conversations before, you know, and how did the customers talk about the problem in their own language? Because then I can use that and create a really good, you know, marketing collateral or a copy to for a Facebook ad, right? The marketer today has none of those contexts. Mm. They almost start from scratch. They again do the user research. They again go talk to users. They again present this product and say, how are we going to talk about it in your own language, like all of that. And <laughs> then they do their own thing. So what AI It's like can, a lot
1: of waste. It
0: seems like it, a lot of waste inefficient. Yeah. And at the end of the day, when it actually ships product, the PM is like, wait on, wait a minute. This is not what yeah. I'm, what I'm like, <laughs> Bill. It doesn't sound like what I was actually building or the problem I was actually solving. Uh, right. are you sure, Mr. Yeah. Marketer? Right. So it's just like, <laughs> um, it just, it, it, it so much disconnect. So what, where AI comes in, for example, here. Would be like AI would be like, you know, as a, as a marketer, I can just go with, hey AI, go look through all the conversations of this PM, their, their customer tickets, their intercom conversations, all the sales conversations where this feature was talked about or mentioned, and then put me a summary. And then I have a summary. And then, okay, this is great. Now tell me which conversation actually had this. Like, okay, put me this conversation. I can see the conversation and I can actually hear the user talk about the problem in their own language. And then I'm like, great, now I get it. Now I can use that to create a Facebook ad or a Google search ad, which uses the same language as the end user. And then boom, everyone is in the same page and the customer is like, oh yeah, that's the problem I want to solve. So the activation, I mean, the whole conversion improves. So it's just like becomes one seamless process right from idea generation all the way to like getting it into the hands of the user.
1: Interesting. And Ignition is helping with that. So tell me more about, Starting it. I want to hear like early stage. Was this a bootstrap thing? Did you all kind of do something on the side and then find your product work at Fit? Was it, yeah, tell me more about that journey.
0: Yeah. So, Ignition, uh, when we first started Ignition, it was all about solving this specifically the go to market problem and one more on the strategy side. It's basically like, how do you come up with a really good go to market plan? Uh, It's like the feature has been shipped to production. Now, great. What's next? Like, how do you think about who's your persona? Um, and then how do you message it so that the end user gets the value prop? And how do you position it so that the users understand how it's different from all the competitors? What channels are you going to use to market your product based on where your end user lives? And how are you going to align, like get all the approvals from the a legal policy or your yeah. exec execs in the company to show that you can ship the feature and actually do a launch and orchestrate the launch in one platform. So that's what we started building mission for. Um, and and then our first persona was a PMM. Like we started bidding for a product marketer. And then as we grew and evolved we realized um, it, it'll be, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's just solving one piece of the puzzle. It'll be great if you can also get product teams onto Ignition because we have the, the full stack, which I just talked about, like how you can track a feature all the way from uh, uh, insight to a launch. So then we expanded Ignition to build research and road mapping. So the, on the research side, you can do your competitive research or your I know analyze all your customer conversations and do your customer conversations insights analysis on ignition and then gather all your draft ideas and then then you can move to a build phase where you can you know do your road mapping and and then you know work with engineers to actually build the product and then you can use ignition to then actually launch the product create a go-to market plan. So mm-hmm. where Ignition is today is it has become a, a full-fledged platform where you can research and build and then launch all in like basically the entire product development life cycle on ignition and so that's that's how ignition that's how ignition started and that's where mm. we are today
1: that's where you are today yeah and what what was that first moment of aha uh-huh for y'all like did you really land with a certain customer persona type that you were really solving a problem for them and you got signal and they were paying for it? Like, was there that kind of story of success with you guys that it was like, yeah, this is it. We can go raise more rounds or, you know, continue it. I
0: mean, yeah, that's, that's a great question. I mean, you know, this is my third startup and I still always trip up on on prospect conversations because it's a mom's book, right? It's a mom's test. Sorry. Mom's test. Love that book. Yeah. So, you know, for people who haven't read it, I highly encourage you to, you know, for them to read it. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, every, even if my third startup, even if I read that book like a couple of times, I got on a call with like, uh, let's say my friend at Facebook who is a PM. And I was like, hey, PM friend, look at this feature I'm building. They're like, oh, amazing. I love it. I can't wait to use Immediately it. Immediately <laughs> bring up your
1: solution. <laughs> hey,
0: look at my shiny toy. Yeah, like, and then I just go build it. I'm like, I have this validation. And then I'm like, okay, I'm building it now. Use it. They're like, oh, but, uh, you know, it's going to be so hard to get my engineering team onto this. Like, it's, yeah. it's the same. It's my third startup. I still trip up. It's it's such a hard, I, I'm still like learning, to be honest. Yeah. It's such a hard yeah. conversation. So, okay, now coming back to your question. Yeah, um, yeah the first, uh, you know, we've been for PMMs and, you know, PMMs, we got really good feedback on the calls. Um, and mm. they were like, when you put your credit card down, they're like, hell yeah, we will do it. Um, but when we built the product and when we went to market, you know, there's like the recession hit in 2020 to 2023 mm. when everyone was getting, you know, the, the, the Fed raised the interest rates from like zero, one percent all the way to five percent in like eight months and like pretty much killed the venture market and, uh, no. so then we were like, all the PMMs were there, changed jobs or laid off or like, there's like, I was yeah. no budget. And PMM as a function also mm. felt like they didn't have as much, uh, uh, I'm say social capital. To uh, get the budget approved from the XX as much as like another persona like sales. So it was, it got harder. Um, so that was a big learning for us. Um, but, but the good thing was like, if we gave them for free or if they started using us, they loved it. So they always mm-hmm. loved the product and they felt like, okay, great. Somebody's actually building a product for PMLs. Um, and, and and a dedicated product for PMM. So it was the first source of truth for a PMM. So they loved it and they loved the fact that Ignition was building for it. But we couldn't scale uh, mm. with just that. And and then, so the for the first aha moment was like, great, PMM, they start using it, they love it. They're coming back every day or every week, depending on the launch um, frequency to actually use Ignition and they're giving good feedback. I mean, okay, great. So <clears throat> first hurdle solved. We don't have to pivot from this. We can continue building on top of this. But the sure. second problem is like, okay, we're not making as much money as we thought we are going to make. Mm-hmm. So we need yeah. to extend. And then we need to get the whole product team on board. We need to ex- expand the seat count in companies. So let's build for product teams. And then we're going to build for product teams. And now we're talking to PMs and head of products and they see the tool. And I'm like, okay. And then we have Brian, again, luckily we have Brian Cheskis of the world talking about Ignition's mission. <laughs> and we built Ignition, we started Ignition mm. way before even Brian even talked about oh. it. And so it seems like the market is also moving towards our mission, right? So that's really helped. and that was like another, it's not just an aha moment, it's a lucky moment where PMs are like, hey, I need to know what this go-to-market thing is all about. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I mean, I don't even have a PM, man. And I'm I'm like a sole PM in my company or like, you know, we have like five PMs in the company, but no yes. product marketing. And can Ignition help? Like, yeah, we can help. And then, or I'm the first PMM to yeah. be
1: like, I wanted to ask more about where it's working today. It seems like there's more of a market there, right? Is that what you're saying now? Or Yeah,
0: exactly. There's a lot of, there's a, there's a huge market there. It's either like, oh, I'm the first PMM. Nobody in this company cares about what PMMs do. How do I explain PMM function? And yeah. how do I set up a PMM go to market process here? Um, and then our PMs are like, I don't have a PMM or we have a very new PM. So can you teach me about go to market? So we're getting a lot of traction there. In addition to like the large PMM teams before who were using us and loudest. Um, and they like continue to like, we continue to double down on them. And, uh, and so we have, we have this market where we have like the top 10% of PMM. So you get it. who are like, okay, I, I really need to buy it and who have the social capital to get budget. That's still our primary persona. And that's, that's our, that's the user who's like, they will be like, if you wake them in the middle of the night and say, there's one tool I'm going to give you. Can you tell me which one? I'm going to take away all the other hundred tools, but you can choose one. They will say it's ignition, right? So it's that persona. But now we are building to make sure we can get PM as
1: well to be very successful on doing this. Wonderful. I love that how you all have evolved over the last few years. And I tried out some of the recent stuff as well and really enjoyed a lot of the features that you all are rolling out. It's been a fun to experiment with. So... I'm excited to use that on an ongoing basis. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Let's wrap up with a bit of homework for our listeners for the week. Based on our conversation, was there something that they can put into practice this week after they listen to the show to kind of make that growth step for them? Yeah. What do you got for them?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I got a good one. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm assuming the persona is a PM here. So let's imagine you're a product, ma- product manager or you were, you were basically, you, are, you know, or even an engineer that buyer. Um, your homework is to come up with a go-to-market plan for a feature or a product you plan to ship this quarter. So think about, it's not just about the roadmap and the sprint cycle and all, and all the Jira and linear tasks which you're using to get into production. It's not that. It's about once it's shipped, how are you going to talk about it to your end user? How are you going to position it? Can you do your competitive research to figure out like how this feature is different from what the competitors offer? And where are you going to find the users, you know, in terms of channels? uh, What are you going to use to actually promote this feature to your users? Um, Just come up with a go-to-market plan um, for the next feature you're building. So that's the homework.
1: Love it. That's great. For me, it's obviously go try out Ignition. It's free to try out. So go do that. And that's one of those ways that you can document that homework. Yes, exactly. Uh, and and then uh tell them the product coffee sent you. Outside of that, you know, one of the things we've been talking about a lot has been failure in this episode and then and in some other episodes as well. But uh make sure that you're setting ambitious goals for yourself. Make sure that you have good time frames for these things. Take a look at that diversity of experience we talked about. So The, you know, have I only been at startups or have I only been at enterprise companies for or one company for for 20 years, whatever it is, and then try to push yourself. I mean, if you're if you're always comfortable there, you're not learning, you're not growing. So try and see what else is out there, even if the market is turbulent. Get uncomfortable. See what happens. Anything else, Kartik, on your side, where can folks find you or anything else that you want to promote? Yeah, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um,
0: you, You can look up by my name or my Twitter handle is also just Kartik Suresh. Uh Connect me, connect with me on Twitter or LinkedIn. Uh, definitely go, please go, go check out Ignition. Would love your feedback. We have a very generous freemium plan, um, so you can you know do pretty much a lot of the things I talked about using Ignition. Um, and then yeah, finally you know don't forget to you know take risks. Don't get too comfortable. Uh,
1: risk is the only way for growth. Well, thanks again, Kartik. This has been an awesome conversation. Looks like we finished up the coffee, so go level up. This has been Product Coffee, produced and engineered by me, Kevin Gentry. You can now record a voice message and send us ideas or topics to cover, and who knows, we might end up playing it on the show. You can also become a supporter of Product Coffee by contributing a monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Product Coffee on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.